What's up, guys? This is episode three of Puck Drop, where we're talking all things hockey. I'm your host, Nick Spina, and we got a great episode for you guys today. Let's just get right into it. And this week on the Puck Drop Podcast, Nick Spina talks hockey. It's a power play goal! We're talking the latest news around the league, COVID-19 updates, and team previews for this year's playoffs. All right, guys, on this week's episode, we'll be covering the latest hockey news, including the NHL draft lottery that happened just a few days ago, as well as the Western Conference top seeds for this year's playoffs. As always, I like to have a guest on to talk with me. And this week, we're going to have my very good friend, Sam Mason out of Vancouver, Canada. Sam, welcome to the show, brother. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm excited to be here. Sam, we've been friends for a while. Uh, I know you're a big Canucks fan, and uh, you have been for a long time. But for the people that don't know you, I guess, how did you get into hockey? Like, was it the sport you played as a kid, or were you just watching the pros? Like, how did that kind of go? Honestly, it's kind of funny. Like, it's kind of the same with Will, right? I haven't played hockey for a team at all. Like, literally, growing up in Australia, right, living in Australia until I was, like, 11 years old, moving to Canada. My first close friend when I came to Canada, obviously, was a massive hockey guy. He played house team and everything. He was a huge hockey guy. But he was a Penguins fan. He was a big Sydney Crosby guy, a big like yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury guy, and he was into that. And I was like, you know what? Might like the local team. So I went to a game with my mom back in like 2015, I think. It was the first game, yeah. And it was like Canucks back in kind of like the glory days. And we came, when we came to Canada, that was, that was the year that Canucks made the playoffs that got eliminated by the Flames in round one in six mm-hmm. games. So I was like, okay, maybe his team's good. <laughs> but then we kind of... Yeah, <laughs> 2016, 17, 2017, 18, 15, 16. We kind of dropped off, went through this rebuilding phase. And I remember watching the draft for the 2017 draft. And we're all like, excited because then my friends like, they can Gabe Velarde, the class going Gabe Velarde. I think it was five. We're all hyped. And this kid, Elias Pedersen, gets picked at five. Like, who is this yeah. guy? Do this yeah. research. But little do we know he's become the next franchise player for the team. That's so insane. Getting into it was obviously like my, my sport growing up was definitely rugby, right? A big rugby guy and I was kind of swimming and all those sports, right? Then yeah. coming to Canada, rugby was kind of not really a thing, especially in like where I'm in Western Canada. Right. So it wasn't as big as Australia, right? So I was like, you know, I'll jump on the big bandwagon and the equivalent of rugby in Australia is hockey in Canada. Like hockey's the, the main sport. Right. So everyone's like into hockey. So I'm like, you know, this is pretty sick. I got, got a pair of skates and like pond skating, public skating and taught myself how to skate. And it was, that's pretty much where it came from. Oh my god, that's pretty sick! I didn't know that actually. Yeah, it's pretty intense. That's, that's I know pretty it's a pretty good story. Eh? <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty sick. My first Knox jersey is actually I got it a few years ago. It was a Kevin Bieksa jersey, like on the old. Oh Reebok. my god! And I went to like, I'm obviously in Whistler, right? And obviously, but up until like they stopped in like 2018, 2017, I think the Knox would come up for training camp in Whistler like every September kind of. Oh really? Prospects up, they bring all the, the guys up. They have this big bus parked by the little rink, and every look. Canucks fans time ago and they get their stuff signed and they had all these games and stuff set up and I got my BX jersey signed by like five of the guys including like one of the Sedin twins Burroughs Ryan Miller at the time all those Yannick wow. Hansen all those boys and obviously that jersey I don't know half my brother took it and ruined it but that was kind of memorabilia and I got the jersey and I'm like okay it's my team now the Canucks wow. baby and then since we're following the rebuild a hardcore Canucks fan now, die hard. You could even say, I'm just waiting for the day we can finally be proud, like making a playoff run, right? Like, say I'm a Canucks fan. Yeah, rather than say, everyone goes, Oh, you're a Canucks fan. They go, Yep, I'm a Canucks fan right now. In oh 2017, God. we were sitting like 29th in the league, and it wasn't a good time right. for the Canucks, but now we're good. That's crazy. I mean, you're getting, you're getting pretty close. You guys are uh, oh, yeah. rebuilding Looking for a long time, now. and you've been <laughs> rebuilding the right way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good, right? Oh, Jim Benny. He's been like, I think they're saying like one of the, uh, in a while, one of the longest serving GMs because they haven't gotten rid of him yet because he's been doing the right thing for the Canucks. Right. Yeah, like he's been like the rebuilding the right way. Like everyone, everyone kind of criticizing what saying, what is he doing? Signing that Louis Erickson contract that six by six million if it was something ridiculous right. like that. And then obviously now, obviously that contract still isn't a good thing to have on a cap hit, but still like, all these young players coming in, like no one would have thought that Niels Hoglander, obviously the guy picked in the round two of 2019, he's going to become the next big thing for us as well, like playing with PD, right. playing that young Swedish core as well. We're going to see how that goes down. But like he's been, and obviously big news for the Canucks, right, that uh, Judd Brackett, the head of amateur scouting, has left now. And right. He was the guy who was responsible, primarily responsible for bringing in players like Pedersen, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, all those guys. He's core players. We're going to see what happens now. Oh, yeah, that core set, right, which is pretty exciting. That's crazy. You guys have a lot of depth, too. I mean, picking yeah. up AT Miller at the deadline was that big. That was insane. was big. That, that was a big move. I was kind of like – I was excited. My friends, like, Dev, like, reveal. He was he was skeptical as well because, like, we gave up quite a bit for him, right? We gave up a traditional first-round pick and a pick in next year's draft as well right. to someone because – Obviously, Canucks hadn't been buyers for a long time. We've been, we've been pretty much sellers. We've been selling at the deadline, picking up picks, getting rid of old guys. And now we finally made a big deal acquiring an exciting roster player and giving up a pick and a prospect, right? Right. Instead of getting one. So it's kind of like, mm, we'll see how that goes down. Definitely one of the best trades I've made in a while. Like he yeah. was one of kid, the kid best players up. on the team this season. He absolutely blew up. He, he played first line hockey with PD and Besson. He absolutely loved it. That's unbelievable. I can't, I like, I never would have thought that was going to come out of JT Miller. JT Miller, I mean, oh. in New York, he'd always been a role player. He was never like a star right. player. He was um, a role player, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like that was where he fit on the team and made sense. So I'm, I'm like glad that he found, found a home in Vancouver yeah. and played well. I mean, leading yeah. score for the team this year, like ridiculous. Yeah. And even in Tampa, dude, like he was kind of like, not, he's quiet. That's it. But yeah. he was quiet in Tampa, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, he was rolling he was bottom like, six. But, you know, I mean, they already got their guys. They got Kucherov. They got they Kucherov. Yeah, you they know, didn't need him. Palat, you know, like, all of them. He, they like he, was, didn't he really was need JT. He was a depth acquisition at the time. Like they, they were going to make that – they were planning on making a big playoff run, right? And they got eliminated in the, in the conference finals to – was it Washington? Back mm. in 2018. Yeah, yeah I want to say it was. Yeah. Yeah, so then they made that run, but they were they were kind of ready for it. But then obviously they didn't make it all the way, right? They couldn't right. stop the Cavs and Caps and Obi were going all the way, right? Right. Like he was, Obi wasn't taking any prisoners. He took out the Penguins, and he was like, he was on cloud nine. Him and Kuznetso of Backstrom, yeah. that whole group was like, we're doing this. This is it now, boys. Yeah, that's right. That was the run for them. Oh yeah, for sure. And obviously, like JT Miller comes to the Canucks. Everyone now he's become this thirty goal scorer kind of guy. Like, hello, where did you come from? I know. We need as well like obviously PD everyone was kind of saying oh sophomore slump sophomore slump but he was playing really well for his second year as well and right. Brock was kind of quiet he had battling injuries as well right him uh, Jacob Markstrom battling injuries Josh Levo had a season ending injury kind of all we kind of always battling injuries right like it's kind of the stereotype of Vancouver right we go on this like six game win streak in October to begin the season and then the injuries start racking out we have a few core players go down and we have to bring in some what plays in the AHL and that's kind of usually how the season goes but we kind of battled through it this season and stayed within the pack for the playoff hunt which is right. definitely a, a new feeling like for the first time in a while I'm, I've been like actively watching Canucks games every time they're on like, yeah be a whole thing going because it's going to be interesting but I'm like oh it's a Canucks against let's say back when the Ducks were really good the Anaheim Ducks and like okay we're going to be absolutely slaughtered right right but now we're good like now we're actually competing Every night, I feel that. Just and watching good hockey is, especially when it's your team, like, 
yeah. it, it's the most exciting thing in the world. Cause like, I mean, Absolutely. what most surprised me this year, like, you know, about the Rangers was, you know, obviously yeah. they weren't supposed to be good, but you had Artemi Panarin and that's a whole different, he's a whole different, oh, yeah, a whole different story. Completely. Yeah. And so it was going to be, what was his impact going to be? How was he going to play? Um, yeah. And he just, he went off and that team, they all gelled together. The young kids, man. Oh, they did really well. I was, Aaron, the, the whole I was definitely surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was definitely surprised. Yeah. Like the and Rangers, that, like how they played, I was definitely surprised. I was like, they're actually competing this season. Like they're actually, Yeah, because when they were team. hot, they were hot. And they were a very, probably the most exciting team to watch. They might have been the youngest team in the NHL, but they were the very exciting. Yeah. yeah, definitely. For sure. It was like, I was expecting maybe a rebuilding season, maybe a few seasons in the Rangers. Let's say Panarin didn't come along. What would you have thought would happen to this Rangers team, right? Like, what's your stance on it? Like, what do you think? No Panarin, where would they be right now? I don't know. Honestly, if they, I mean... And no Shesterkin as well. Yeah, and you got like, the Igor Shesterkin in goal, right? Like, yeah, you're telling Russian me, so if I have no Igor, no Panarin, what would I have done? What do you think? Yeah. Um, where would they be sitting right now? Here's the thing, like adding Panarin really carried like that, like he carried the team this year. Sure, oh, Zibanejad yes. played out of his mind, 41 goals. In yes. Games, yeah. Even battling oh, injuries. Yeah. Yes. They had good guys play well, but like Panarin really, he made everyone better. And he really- he gave like, him a spark, right? Yeah, yeah he, he, he did. He gave him a spark. It's just, he's, he's a great presence on and off the ice. And like, I, I mean, I Absolutely. can't say- Good, good enough thing about him you know like I could I could talk forever yeah I mean you look yeah. at you look at the beginning of the year before he really even played many games and the Rangers were struggling to find a second line center and they were throwing right. Filipino in that mix they threw Strom in there a little bit yeah. and I was not really impressed with Ryan Strom all that much I'm gonna be honest with you yes and in yeah. the preseason I watched games I went to games I was like Ryan Strom's yeah. not the guy Filipino yes. wasn't gonna be the guy either I mean yeah in a Hartford teach him a bit of a lesson, but right. then they, they start mixing lines. You throw Panarin on that line with Strom, mix in Faust. You know, they played him with Kako. They played him on the top line, and you watch what Panarin did to Strom, and he, he really solidified. He made him that second-line center, and it's, yes. it's unbelievable to see or how, how much thing, better right. he makes other players. Fighting hockey, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it's kind of a similar situation in Vancouver, right? Like, obviously, you're not the it's the whole Jake Vertanen situation. Yeah. The whole, like, being drafted top five, and I'm going to say it was 2014. Yeah, 2014. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because Bo was 2013, Jake was 2014. 2015 was Brock. 2016 was Oli Levy. <laughs> but in 2014, that was definitely, we don't talk about that pick. That was definitely <laughs> passing Matthew to Chuck for Oli Levy. We kind of want to put that one in the past, right? But, like, um, Jake Vitan, he took a while. He took a while to find his game. They, right. I feel like they were kind of rushed, and they played him in his rookie season, and he had, like, I know his exact stats, but he wasn't living up to what everyone thought he would be. The expectation and, of a top five pick. And, and right, that's everyone. the thing about like guys that go high is they're expected to make an impact right away. Yeah. That's not always the case. I mean, it takes some time. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Hughes and Kako. They were supposed to play, you know, Kako was supposed to come in and just absolutely take over. It, yes. it doesn't really work like that. The kid's 18. I'm literally one year older than he is. Actually, I think we're the same age now. I think he's <laughs> yes. But, like he's not going to have a, a, that big an impact, especially like he played well, but he played well for his age group. So it's like, yes, that's you, get the thing, right? you get thrown with the big dogs, you can't expect to light it up right away. You know? Yeah. And that's the same with, with the whole Jake thing. It took him a long time. But this, this season, he finally 
like everyone's saying this is the Calgary Hitman Jake Vertanen. This is the Jake Vertanen that Judd Brackett and the scouting team saw in him when he played back in Calgary in WHL. Like the power forward, the guy who can get in there, the guy who can play in like the in the body. He can play the body. He can right. stand up people when they get knocked tossed around. Plus, he can like use his big size and frame to skate to the front of the net and whack pucks in to get thrown to the front. Like right. especially playing with Anton Roussel, that kind of duo kind of went well as well because Roussel kind of gritty as well. You just right. Adam Gaudet in the middle, and you got a good line. Yeah, Adam Gaudet's pretty good as well. He's a young, talented forward as well. Exactly. Just Travis Green, which is definitely playing the line to see how well he could find chemistry and he found some of the which is why the Canucks had success is they found good line chemistry within the Ford pack. Obviously Quinn Hughes is off his mind on defense. <laughs> He's so good. He I was, was very insane. surprised by him this year too. Oh yeah. I was maybe definitely maybe I thought saw one to two seasons of him kind of developing, seeing how he would kind of progress into that top two defensemen, top defensive for the Canucks. And he obviously like he came in, he was like bam. I, I watched his first goal live in the home opener like, against the Kings. Wow. And it was insane. I like I was like, wow. I saw also Petey's first goal live in twenty nineteen. Like back to back presidential right. goals. Yeah. And like Hughes goal was pretty special. Like this kid is the edge work, like his skating ability, how he can just turn on a dime and lose someone is just impressive. Someone that we needed because obviously Chris Tanev, Alex Edler, that defensive core is getting pretty old. Right, like they're getting there now. So we need to find like some new life. Obviously, you got Brogan Rafferty down in the AHL. You got some nice young guys coming up, but it's still going to be a few seasons. Like Jet Wu, you know, all those guys. It'll right. be a few seasons at least to become those solid NHL defensemen, ones that can like hold the roster spot on this team. But Quinn came in and was like immediate top two pairing with Tanev, and that was it. Yeah, well, and that's very rare to find in today's day and age. I mean, you look yeah. at. I mean, I've looked at some of the Rangers guys that have been in the Wolfpack for years. And yeah, haven't been able to hold it. Not even a fourth line spot. Or if you look yeah. at defensemen, I mean, yeah. the Rangers haven't really been great on defense since 2014. Yeah, um, until probably about this year, they found a good string of guys. Truba, yeah. uh, you know, picking up the. He's offense. pretty good. Hey, yeah, that was a good acquisition. Yeah. Um, and re-signing D'Angelo was was one of the probably the best and smartest moves. Well, D'Angelo is a very offensive defenseman, isn't he? He's a very he's yeah. A he's uh, he's I good. think he led all defensemen in in points this year. He's pretty impressive. Eh? Uh, he was up top, I think, in, in league standings for top scoring defenseman. You know, Carlson obviously leads the way. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he's pretty impressive, eh? Obviously, speaking of Carlson, what happened to the San Jose Sharks this season? Oh, my God. What happened to that team? That team went from going to the Western Conference Finals. Well, and they went and in the Stanley Cup Finals in, what, 16? In the last season, they just lost, the, obviously, the reigning champs, St. Louis Blues. Right. And they were almost there again and they were pretty high but obviously losing Joe Pavelski losing Jonas Donskoy who else did they lose did anyone else I, I, they I, lost Marlowe to Toronto, Toronto. Yeah, or, Patrick, or, you know he jumped so around he, then he came back and with Pittsburgh because <laughs> it was in Carolina he went around but now yeah so like pretty much like they lost Joe Pavelski and, that, and Jonas Donskoy and that void that left might have been what was keeping that team together right like they were a good team for a while like what you highlight to the, the Canucks Sharks 2011 conference finals. Like, they were, like, anti-Nemi days. Like, they've been a consistently good team. Right. I could have had the up and the down years and missing playoffs, but they've managed to stay a relevant team. Yeah, because they haven't really touched their roster that much. Right. And now they're thinking, well, like, their prospect pool is very shallow for a team that's called the Sharks. It's ironic. Their prospect <laughs> pool is very shallow. They need some more prospects. <laughs> like, who do they have? They have, like, Jeremy Wah, I think. I don't know who else they have on the prospect side. Like, Jonathan Darlene, but we... He came from the Canucks because 
we just didn't need him anymore because we had Elias Pedersen, right? Like, obviously, the Ducks fans hyped to see Darwin and Pedersen play together because they played in Sweden together, but obviously, that wasn't going to work out in the end because right. he wasn't motivated enough. They described it. He wasn't motivated enough and progressing as they as he should have been. So, he dealt into San Jose, and that's currently one of the good prospects they have. So, I don't know what they're going to do now. Obviously, with their seventh overall pick, what pick, sixth, what pick do they have? Oh, sorry, um, no, they, they traded away their pick to Ottawa, right? In the Eric yeah, Carson. No, they, they would have got the, uh, the third pick in the draft. And now Ottawa has it. So they yeah, have a first round pick. Top time. Yeah, they have. Uh, they've got sixth, and then they've got third. Okay. Yeah. Do do um. What's your, do San Jose have a pick at all in the top in round one? 10? No, I don't think so. In round in one, the, I'm not sure because they might have acquired some other pick. But lower down, like it's um, been interesting because they need it. <laughs> they need they a do. good prospect. Yeah, they do. I think they had one a pick last year as well. Like they need someone who can kind of like not come in instantly, but come in, in a few years. Obviously. Once Brent Burns is getting, he's getting pretty old as well. Eric Carlson getting pretty old. Martin Jones obviously showed signs of slowing down. Like he wasn't right. the same goal he was in 2016. Right. Aaron Dahl had to take the lead this season and it didn't go too well, right? They ended up in the bottom of the Pacific pretty much, feeding yeah. off of Anaheim and, and LA. And it was obviously three teams out of Cali is a joke. Like three teams yeah, out of Cali, but one of the All playoffs. California teams just did not play well. And they all. Do you remember, the, do you remember when they were all like the dynasty teams? Like you remember, like yeah. it was. Anaheim, LA, San Jose teams didn't want to mess with back in out in the Pacific. Yep. And it was like hell for Calgary to make a playoff spot because it was those three always in the top, the three teams in Cali, especially when you had like obviously the, the Ducks won the cup in 2007, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And you got LA with the two cups in four years kind of situation. San Jose's been consistently good. And it's it's definitely been a fall off. Obviously, the Kings are looking quite good now. They're lucky they got Byfield coming in potentially at two. I mm-hmm. think Byfield yeah. is one for two, right? We have who Alex Turcott, Rasmus Kapari, a bunch of young guys coming in who should be looking pretty good for the King's future, right? But San Jose can't say the same. Even Anaheim has some depth. San Jose, what's happening out? They've got nothing. The Shark Tank. They need to fix something quick. They need to make some trades. They need to sign. Not even like build in depth. They need to find more youth because youth is so important in today's hockey game. Like, yeah, that's the that? biggest thing that I've noticed is that the kids yeah. run the show, man. They do. You Literally. look at all the young teams that are rebuilding. You look at Vancouver. You look at New York and a lot of other squads. And Even they- Carolina. Carolina went young, and they've become really good. Now, Spashnaho, you got all yeah. those boys. You got obviously Andre Svechnikov, insane. Right. The, the fact that these young kids can come in and play so well at such a young age boggles my mind. I'm like – my mind, I was telling Mark, my mind is blown by the fact that Adam Fox has played this well in his rookie season. Yeah. He, his, he, hockey, his hockey IQ is insane. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't have expected him to be a top, you know, two defense. He's really good, hey? Like, he went from, like, Calgary to Carolina because Calgary didn't want him, Carolina didn't want him, and now the Rangers. Nobody wanted his rights, and now they're all paying for him, man. And now he's like, now Adam Fox is playing out of his mind as well. Like, you think about this, but, like, it's a completely different game. Like, I was looking at it, at the, like, the teams that won Cups back in the day, like 2011 Bruins, you got the 2012 Kings, you got the 2010 Hawks. They were all teams built with maybe one or two young guys, but a big presence of veteran. It's right. guys with experience. And it was a slow game. Like, it was kind of like not a pretty goal scoring game, plus, like, a few star players, but it was kind of just like, and like hockey was fighting, like you know, obviously these guys going to bars watching these hockey games, like these old fans, like these right. dads going to watch the games, and it was fighting, it was hitting, it was a gruesome game, and it was now like hitting isn't a huge part of the game anymore. Like fighting no. isn't a huge part of the game. It's like not. Gr- the role of a grinder is becoming more and more obsolete because everyone's trying to find these young, talented kids. There's no need that are just going to whiz by, make pretty deeks, and yeah. put on a show, man. Literally, like, but it, what big money? These contracts are going to be pretty insane coming soon. Right. And it, yeah, especially when these kids start to grow and they start to develop more. And yeah, like you're going to have fat contracts. I mean, like, oh. 
look at Toronto, right? Like they started, oh, they, they had good kids. Yeah. And then they picked up a few veteran players. I mean, obviously, Tavares wanted to come home. That's a huge pickup. That's definitely. Like, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Like, just look at those four. That's amazing. They, they're in cap hell. They've got nothing. <laughs> but, like, and nothing left. they're young kids developed, and then they got to pay for it. So, I feel like that'll, yeah. that'll probably be the biggest thing. Um, yeah. But what's good now is that with the lack of veterans – you're not paying hefty contracts unless like you, I don't know, buy out someone like Kevin Shattenkirk who's going to eat yes. up $8 million in your cap yeah. for like the second year of his buyout deal. Well, that's the um, thing about like Clark's right with the cap hell is Louis Erickson is eating up so much cap space. Yeah. And same with even Roberto Luongo, his cap hit from his retirement is $3 million per season. I can't believe you guys are still paying him. We're paying Luongo money and he's sitting in Florida and is like beach home. <laughs> We're paying him $3 million a season. But we could be signing maybe even like a bottom six kind of like a, a gritty guy can come in. Like an Anton Roussel quite – I mean, maybe like, yeah, a Roussel or Sado equivalent because Brandon Sado has been battling injury for a while as well. And let's say Jay Beagle goes down. Who's going to be that bottom six forward guy? Because Adam Goddard's still quite young, right? Like we are obviously right. Bo in the top two. But who's going to be that – bottom line sentiment, right? Because Jay Beagle is one of the best, I think, penalty-killing face-off guys in the league, they're saying. Like, yeah. he's really good at his face-offs, and that's what we needed, right? That's what obviously Jim Benning wanted to see when we signed him. But that's the thing, right? Like, the, the cap hits in the class are pretty big, especially when Elias Pedersen, Brocco had been signed, which talked to him deal. But Petey and, and Quinn Hughes, when they want new contracts, it's going to be It's going to be big money. Yeah, it's gonna, I, I, I was talking to Dev, and I was thinking, like, like a real, I was thinking Petey's going to want at least $7 million a season, maybe eight, yeah. depending on his first contract. He might take a team-friendly deal because he wants to play in Van, right. but we'll see, right? Like, obviously, Jacob Markstrom looking at taking a team-friendly deal because we don't have the cap to offer him the money he deserves right now. No, but when this, he's played out of his mind. Oh, out of his mind. He was the reason we actually have a chance this season as well. Like, so many games, like even when Demko is playing, we could tell when Demko is playing, how much we relied on Jacob Markstrom to make those saves. Right. Like, you go on YouTube, what's the Canucks' top 10 plays? It's Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom, Pedersen highlight. Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom, Pedersen highlight. Quinn Hughes highlight. Jacob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom. That's really the entire reel. It's his saves. His windmill save on Kevin LeBanc. Right. Some of his saves are absolutely out of of our mind. Like, no one would have expected Jacob Markstrom, right? Like No, no way. he took a sweet time. Like he came in, he came over in the Luongo trade, and he was AHL. He was bouncing in the AHL mm-hmm. in the Canucks. So we had Ryan Miller, we had Eddie Lack, we had those guys. We didn't need him in the beginning. Like he was in the AHL, and he had that. We he had that. He always had that big frame. He was like six foot six, six seven. He's a big yeah, guy. He's a big dude. Yeah, and we we knew he would be good in the future. So we kind of gave him some time. But obviously, like going to younger phase, like obviously the loss of the Ryan Miller and the loss of those star goaltenders, like. Jacob came in and he knew he had to assume the role of a starting goaltender and he played out of his mind this season. Even like beginning at the end of last season, like I'd say like the final two months, he was really, really good as well. He was showing shades of what he was doing this season. Like he was putting a solid performance and like Denko is kind of like coming in, backing up occasionally, learning the ropes. Like obviously learning stuff from Jacob. He's been around for a while now. He's, he's right. 30 years old. Like you wouldn't think. Wow. He's turned 30. You yeah, wouldn't so he, think. Yeah, you'd think he's a, he's a young kid. But honestly. Now he's in his prime. Yeah, yeah. He's just hit his prime now. So let's see right. how it goes. I know that it's honestly like it's such a nice feeling when like things are done the right way, right? Because yes. like Markstrom took his time, right? Oh, to develop. Now yes. he gets here and, and he's he just rips it, right? You look at Shesterkin, Range has been waiting five years since they drafted him. They or, did. Honestly, maybe Obviously, six because they drafted they him drafted. in like 14. They did. Oh, it did. Yeah. And he sat in the KHL for like five years, and everyone's like, "Okay, when are you bringing Igor over? When are you bring Igor over? When's Kratov <laughs> yeah, yeah. coming? 
Like we, we just want like, you know, we need holes to fill and we need players, but they're like, no, 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 let them sit, let them wait. And, and then he comes, he comes in, wins. He goes nine or zero. And his shout out. First nine. How many shots did he put in his first nine games? How many? Sh- how many shots? I want to say like four or five. That's insane. Which is just ridiculous. He goes nine yeah. two and zero in his first eleven. Um, and and he's learning from the king, Henrik Lundqvist, and especially that goalie tandem for the playoffs. What a role model, hey, Henrik Lundqvist. Who else? I know exactly. <laughs> like he's one of the like, like he's one of the guys you want. Like I, if I was coming in as backup, I want him on my country flute or Carey Price. One of those three to learn off of. Those are two of right. the. Three of the greatest all goals. They've all had good, you know, great runs. Great. And yeah, yeah. The thing about New York that I love is that they crank out good goaltenders. Like yes, they do. like Benoit Lair is fantastic. Mm. He's, I mean, obviously he's done a great job with Hank, but look at how many young guys Hank has shaped into starting goaltenders. Yes, and Talbot in. You bring I don't know who else. Anti Ranta in now. And he's starting. Kind of like a fantasy, right? Like they come into New York and they leave and they come starting goaltenders. Like mm-hmm. obviously Talbot came in, Talbot went to Edmonton to Edmonton. Yep. Anti Ranta left, went to Coyotes. The Coyotes are on a slow little kind of rebuild now, but now they have Taylor Hall. We'll see what can they produce out of Arizona. Right. Finally, some success. Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall, not Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom left. Unfortunately, he didn't have a good run with the Coyotes. Yeah, who do you have on the – Derek Stepon. Derek Stepon's on. Oh, yeah, they got that vet presence and stuff yes. on, yeah. And they got Nick Schmaltz. You got all those guys. They got OEL, we'll yeah. It goes. Definitely. Like, they have, they have a solid squad, and they have some young guys as well. Like, even Chicago have been handling their rebuild pretty well. Kirby Duck, Dylan Strom. Like, these young guys are coming in. They won't be rebuilding for very long. If they're yeah, Kubalik is in there, too. He's been playing out of his mind. He's, oh, yeah. But they have to accept the fact, the, the Hawks fans as well, that the dynasty years are kind of over for the time being. Right. They're gonna have to rebuild. They're gonna have to get some new guys in. Like the Canucks rebuilt for five years. Like it was a long time. Yeah, it's it's it ridiculous. For fuck's sake, five years, right? It was the longest five years ever. But now we're finally on like, getting there, right? Like it took us so long of drafting Levy. Levy still hasn't played an NHL game yet, and he was drafted in 2016 as wow. a defenseman, top five. So that's the thing, right? That like we obviously learned from our mistakes and drafted Pedersen next season. That he was meant to go number one. Like looking back at it, he should have gone number one in the draft. Over yeah. Nico this year and Noah Patrick, he should have gone on one. Like PD was definitely out of his mind. Yeah, what a what an absolute snag! You look at Nolan Patrick, where the hell is he? You look at he's, Nico he's Hischer, injured. He's yeah. done nothing. Like Nolan Patrick's been injury prone, poor guy. Like I feel like he was meant to be. He meant to be kind of like that Broad Street bully present for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like that's all they wanted, right? But then yeah. he's been battling injury. He hasn't been playing the way he should. Like he was expected to, because right. again, the pressure on these kids, right? It's pretty insane. Yeah. Then like. Petey had his time. Like, we let him play one season in the SHL, like a full new season, and he broke Swedish Hockey League records. Yeah, right. So I had it, and then, like, come on over. And then he played out of his mind for the rookie season, right? Right. Every yeah. time, like, a Blues fan's like, Jordan Bennington should have won the call. I'm like, well, really? Because have you seen this way, this way, the way this kid's been playing? He took a Canucks team who is questioning, not knowing what identity they're going to assume for the next few seasons. Like, obviously, they're like, a young team, but they're not good yet. And right. he came in, and he make Canucks hockey exciting to watch again. Like right. He was that good. Like, the and Blues were a good team, either way. Like, they were a, a solid team. They had Ryan O'Reilly. They had a good foundation. They just needed that missing piece and goal, and they found it and won the cup. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of these teams, certainly the top picks help, but, I, I mean, it's a, it's a toss-up. You never know who's going who's gonna to play well. And, I mean, look at New Jersey. They had the top – <laughs> what? Like yeah, they had the Jersey. overall pick for the last like three years in a row or something. And they haven't been producing. Like, and they haven't done anything. Like, like, it's not all about the numbers, right? It's about who you draft, the player that you need. It's like they, they say it's a mentality going in draft, right? You can either draft based on position or you can draft, draft based on need. 
Yeah, right. And that's the thing, right? Like, Canucks drafted based on need. We could have taken anyone else at five. We chose this Elias Pedersen kid who was made projected top 20, not top five. Right. And we're taking the top five, and he was like, wow, he was the guy we needed. He, we didn't even know. Like, we were thinking maybe Bo is our top line centerman. Maybe like Jonathan Dolan, maybe like that tandem. But then Elias Pedersen comes in, bam, Bo's bumped down to second. Right. He's like a top guy for the next decade and maybe like close to two. We'll see how he plays, right? Like right. He's going to be absolutely insane. And like drafting best on position, right? Like even, sorry to say, but Edmonton, even though they have dry side on McDavid, they have mm-hmm. Brian Nugent Hopkins. Think about Jordan Eberle. Think right. about Taylor Hall, right? Like what happened to these guys? Right. <laughs> who else was a, a top? Was it, um, Clepon was pretty good, but you think about who else have they picked up, they've drafted, like, they haven't been as good as they expected. Like they've been taking these good. Oh, sorry. I'd say yes. He, I guess he. I'm not pronounced that. Paul Tejavi, the guy in Finland now, the restricted free agent. Oh, Jesse Puliarvi, yeah. Yeah, top four pick, and now he's yeah, and now the Rangers in, uh, in exchange for Anderson or something like that. Yeah, because do, do you really want the metal tosser on your team, right? Like I mean, like <laughs> I thought that was kind a of good guy, right? Happened. I was like, I've also, I'm like, that's bold. Especially yeah. you just got drafted by the New York Rangers and, and you're going meant to go pretty, meant to be this pretty young, hot player, right? And you're going to pull a slot like that. I mean, that's a bold move for sure, right? right. He got so much ridicule because that uh, he got, he didn't make a formal apology. Like, he got some really? serious backlash. Yeah. Like, he got some, like, so he got some phone calls after that, like, saying, like, what are you doing? This is like, disrespectful and everything. Cause I don't know it's kind of like in the league, especially with Gary Batman saying, although he's made some mistakes, it's, it's that sportsmanship, right? Like hockey is more than just like on the ice, right? And if right. he's going to send an image saying, look, you're not going to take second place and throw it over the glass, right? That's like obviously losing is part of the game. As a Canucks fan, believe me, losing <laughs> is a part of the game, right? Like we lose more than we win. Right. But like you can only take a loss as well as you can take a victory, right? If you take a loss like a champion, you're going to win like a champion. Right. Like, Lee Sanderson, don't get me wrong, is a great guy, but, like, we'll see how he turns out, right? Like, I feel like after that, like, obviously, everyone knows no mistakes. He seems like an absolute great a great kid, right? Like, a young mm-hmm. Swedish guy meant to be a solid center for the Rangers, and we'll see how he plays. Like, he can easily turn his game around, turn his attitude around, and become this guy everyone hopes he would. Right. Don't write about yet. You can't really write anyone out until they've had a chance, and it's not really what you're seeing, right? You still right. want to give them, even like Jake Vitan, a good example, once again, like, we gave him, what, four seasons, and he's finally found his game, and now, it, thank God, we kept him, right? Right, exactly. We could, we could have dealt him off and gotten an extra pick instead, because we were happy that he was playing. Right. Finally, the way we wanted to, his what, like, I'll find his exact stats, like, it's, it's interesting. I think he had, like, what, you, you start signing, right? Yeah, he had 18 goals, 16 assists, 36 points in 69 games. Wow. And 41 penalty minutes. That's I mean, like that's like what you kind of expect from Jake, right? Right. Considering now his whole career in 279 games played, 18 of those goals, 18 of his 50 goals that he scored in his career came from 2019-2020. Wow. Yes, yeah, so he only had 50 career goals total now, and 18 of them came from just this season alone. Wow. So it's interesting to see, right? That's unbelievable. He's made good progress. That's crazy. Oh, for sure, man. Okay, let's talk about the West, hey? Yeah, let's do it. What do you think? Um, the lottery, definitely. Okay, let's see. Like, I was definitely, I've been watching the game and I was like, just sitting, I was watching the lottery, sorry, on my couch. And like, 
hands on my head and I was like, what is happening right now? Because I was like, everyone's like, yeah, Detroit, Ottawa. I'm like, absolutely, Detroit, Ottawa deserved this franchise. Well, Detroit or Ottawa did deserve the top pick. And the thing is about the draft lottery is that, like, it should go to the team who plays the worst. Like, that should just be how it works. I watched this video on SportsCenter, sorry. It was like, um, what's this face? Former um, GM of the Canucks. He was talking with David Ambers, right? And he was talking about how, like, the lottery is, like, even though it was designed to stop teams from tanking, now it's like it could be given to a team who just fell outside the playoffs. Could get right. first overall pick. Let's say the Canucks. We've never won a top pick. We never had a first overall pick in the 50 years of being a franchise. We haven't selected the player number one at all. The closest we've got was the Sedins back in 1999, which is two and three. But that's the closest we've gotten. We haven't gotten number one, but we still have a good team, right? Like, right. it's kind of like not, I'm not going to brand it as rigged, but it's more. It's interesting how it works, right? Obviously, it's yeah. been. Like obviously, obviously the series going around saying it's a PR stunt, right? Like say giving these teams like New Jersey these so, so many first overall picks, seems like Edmonton getting racking up these first overall picks right. and still not being able to produce from them, right? Like obviously McDavid's been out of mind, dry slide as well, and league MVP. Right. But like, we'll see how this goes, right? Like obviously it's definitely interesting because now it's going to go to a team that made the playoff play in round, yeah. which means they were top sixteen, like top what twenty four team in the league, yeah, yeah, top twenty four. Yeah, literally, it's, it's going to go to one of these eight teams, and we'll see who actually gets it. And it's going to be between, like, who's it? The Canucks, the Wild, the Rangers, who else? Winnipeg. Yeah, the NHL, NHL and NBC did, like, a um, they did a, yeah, they, they did a post about it. I, I do remember. Yeah, that. yeah, they said power rankings, top five landing spots for Alexi Lafreniere will be Pittsburgh, Vancouver, Montreal, Edmonton, and New York. That's right. what they were saying. Because yeah. of how it impact them. Not really, like, the chance, but yeah. how much Alexi would impact the squad. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I, I look at, I, I mean, I go on Twitter all the time, refreshing my feed. Rangers Twitter blows up, man. And especially yes. what happens in the league. And now the fact that the first overall pick uh, being Lafreniere could be just, yeah. I mean, the fact that the Rangers could just, even, even if they lose to Carolina, like honestly not a big deal. Cause if you yeah. have a 13% chance, a 12 and a half percent chance yeah. at a shot at a guy who is, I, I mean, I'm not going to say Crosby level because I haven't seen him play, but like, yeah. You know, he's been yeah. playing out of his mind. You, you even slot him anywhere in the Rangers' top nine, top six. Yet I'm playing with Panarin. You know, who knows? Like, it, that's just a, a ridiculous thought for me. And, like... Absolutely. I mean, the Rangers slotted in at two last year, so it's a little bit more, you know, like, set in stone who, like, you know, they were going to get Kako. Kako was going to play with Panarin. Or, like, you know, he's going to be playing with some, some really good players. So, obviously, there's a lot of unknowns with it, but... I guess the thought of it is interesting. And I guess the controversy between almost like, do you like, I've seen a bunch of polls and I, Tony D'Angelo did a poll on his pod for his podcast too. Like, do you want your team also, to uh, yeah. win or do you want your team to win the cup? And for me, it's always going to be a cup win. I will take a, a, a COVID cup, you know, however it goes <laughs> um, yeah. over a first overall pick. Cause listen, man, I've been waiting a long time for a Stanley cup. I wasn't born yes. in 1994. I did not watch cool. that, you know? Um. Yeah. More than seven years later, so I would like to see a cup <laughs> yeah. win. I don't know how much. Yeah, I'll do the. Yeah. You know, it's just it. It's it's the chance of getting him potentially. You don't know because what if? Yeah. Oh, you know, you lose the Rangers losing the play-in, right? There have yeah. a chance like any of the other seven other teams that are playing, or that are you know in contention for it, and then they don't get it. It's like, well, we just lost yeah. you know a, a good playoff run, and they, they yeah. play some of their best hockey. 
for uh, for being the youngest team in the NHL. So, I mean, yeah. I'll take a cup any day, but a lot of other people disagree with me, which I think is a little crazy. Well, that's the thing. The Canucks, right, have been waiting 50 years for this, right? Like, it's been 50 now. We haven't had a single – the closest we've gotten was game seven, one win away in 2011. And we had – everyone looking back at it saying we had a championship caliber team. We had solid defense, solid offense, and elite goaltending. We had what you could foundationally call a championship team. But Boston was better. That's the thing. Like, I didn't even really look into it recently, but we were awful on the road. Losing 8-2 in a Stanley Cup final is not something I'm be proud of on the road and get – in game six, game six or five, we lost. I'm sorry, five was one nothing at home, but we lost horrifically in one of the games on the road in Boston. Like we didn't win a single game on the road. We, we yeah, well, they were games. up. weren't they up three to one? Was that the year they were up three? So to we, one? We, we were up two nothing. We won game one and two at home, and then lost three and four in Boston. Came home, won game five at home. Gave, lost game six on the road, then lost game seven back at home. Wow. Yeah, so it was like game seven was all for, obviously four off. Game six wasn't anything special either. Like, there was a lot of pressure, right? Game seven at home, Luongo clearly couldn't handle it. And Tim Thomas was off his brain. Right. Tim Thomas was having the run of his career, right? Like, he was playing. Finally, Luongo matched up against the goalie of his level. Like, it was two best goalies in the league. Like, obviously, Luongo could take care of who we had in round one. We had Corey Crawford round one, Pecorine round two, mm-hmm. Anthony Nemi round three. He had some good goaltenders facing up against him with the first right. three rounds. And obviously he, fa- he, he battled through and he obviously might have a little bit of a hot head coming into the finals. Tim Thomas, he's like, okay, let's do this. And Tim put up a good fight. Like obviously games one and two were really close. Game one was literally one nothing. Game wow. two was like two to one in overtime. Like they were two wow. close games with the Burroughs overtime winner as well. And it was like some wraparound. And it was, it was a close game. It was, it was finally a series. It was one of the best finals of the decade, arguably, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. game three and four went dropped. Game five came happy, won at home. Game six lost, game seven lost. It was a bumpy road, but we've obviously known what losing's like. And definitely all Canucks fans have agreed on this pretty much, that we won a championship. We won a cup. We want right. the cup. Everyone's been chanting it for a while. We want the cup. Right. And obviously getting there has been a little slower and painful process, arguably, with this rebuilding. But we're finally on the right track now. We have a solid team for the next few seasons. Right. And look out west, right? Like, obviously, you got, like, Colorado, St. Louis, Dallas. Who else you got? Vegas. Those four teams, the ones that are the top four in the west, Mm -hmm. get a pass through the playing round. Let's talk about those. Hey, what do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so what do you think? Who who are you thinking for human tackle out of those four? Let's uh, let's start with last year's cup champs. Let's start with the Blues. The St. Louis Blues, yeah. Like, they're definitely coming, obviously, off a good championship win. They didn't, obviously, modify their team very much coming to this current season because why no, would you win really one cup? Yeah. But, like, obviously, like, one thing I think about, obviously, everyone's thinking about this new style of hockey is should they get younger? Should they look at going younger as well, right? Because, obviously, like, obviously, they have Clint Costin, they have Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, have these young guys coming in. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Like, what's your, what, what do you think if you were GM of the Blues, what's game plan? I mean, they have a lot of young guys and they have a lot of depth right now. Yes. So I'm not necessarily concerned with St. Louis. I mean, losing Terra Sanger to injury was rough, but yeah. they did have players step in. Petrangelo, 52 points. You're looking at their squad in, in just in general. Um, I mean, it seems like getting younger is the way to go, right? Um, in the process of a rebuild. But I mean, honestly, if they, I mean, they won, they won last year. Who did, who did they beat last year? They beat Boston Bruins in the Stanley That's Cup right. final. 
That's, that's right. They beat, they, beat a, they beat a good Bruins team last year. But in how many games? Seven games. Okay. Isn't that poetic? Okay. <laughs> After 2011, yeah. Like, in seven games. And they also beat the Bruins at home. Right. In game seven, isn't yeah. it? So with the taste of medicine, I look at my fan booking a picture of Brad Marchand crying. Like, <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> and like, yeah. at home, it stings. It really stings. They brought, they could have right. brought the cup home, right? They had Dave Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Charlie McAvoy. Sukaras is playing off his mind. They right. They had a good team. But St. Louis just played better in Game Seven, right? Well, and they're they're another team that doesn't make very um, very many changes to their squad, and yeah. for good reason. They're a top team every year, which is crazy. And I think the Blues, honestly, they don't need to do much because got, if you got good players, I mean, you won a cup. If you you're a top seed this year, you're continuing to play well. If they if they make another deep run, they don't have to do a lot. So it's yes, like, exactly. You know, if they can keep getting younger, I mean, I guess that's always better, right? I mean, yeah. But you need some veteran presence. Obviously, Petrangelo is going to carry them as a captain. And he plays well. He backs up his play. He's not one of these captains that just kind of sits back and, you know, yeah. either silently or from the bench, you know. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to play well. So, St. Louis is just they're, – they're a very good squad. I really just – I don't really have much bad things to say about them. Obviously, yeah. played well again this year. Absolutely. Um, carried them through games and i mean he's young himself what is he 23 yeah he's like 23 24 he, he's getting there right like he's obviously not even hit his prime yet and he's been playing like he is he's a young guy he's a young goaltender right obviously right. people he was dwelling in the nhl for a few seasons when he began his career right he was playing in chicago and then he kicked, got called up finally because jake allen just wasn't cutting it and the blues team was struggling they were dead last in the league as of january right they were right. a struggling team and they needed some life and they had was coach Craig Brewer and they called up this young kid, Jordan Bennington, came in, didn't have a shot at his first few games. And everyone yeah, went, okay. he just absolutely took over. And then they went, kids, on, a, and then they went on a run. It's a crazy story. Pretty much, dude. Like, honestly, like, who would have thought, right, Jordan Bennington, like, they could have easily made a trade. They could have made a trade and brought in some old grizzled goaltender, like, let's say, Braden Holby or something like that. Like, like right. someone they really wanted to carry him to a championship, and they couldn't, couldn't happen. And they brought in Jordan Bennington. He had the right drive, the motivation, the will. He was privy everyone wrong. He was privy everyone that he could do it. And mm-hmm. he did. Kind of like Matt Murray equivalent. Like, it's shades of Matt Murray. Right. That's what I was thinking. What do you think? Um, Dallas. Heavy. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know much about Dallas. They've always played well in the playoffs. They've always snuck away in. Um, I mean, they haven't gone far. I don't think they've gotten past the first round, I want to say. The second round, they went to round two and lost the Blues. But, I mean, that's that's another team that, I mean, I think they could use a little bit more depth in the forward position, but they've got good prospects. I mean, they brought, uh, what, Rupe Hinson? Yeah. They've got got hints of good guys. Yes. Um, And I think they've been... Well, Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop is insane. Like... Your, your big betting goal, Ben Bishop. Right. Like, you only saw a goalie, though. You only goalie that could had a taste of it back in Tampa. It took them to the 2015 final. Lost. Right. He's hungry. We'll see what he wants to do with that. But, like, as I was thinking, Dallas have a call that's been pretty consistent and getting pretty old. Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan haven't found much success in those two players besides the fact that regular season success has been really, really good. Right. But nothing really in the playoffs. That's the catch. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the weird thing, especially like you look at guys uh, or even just teams like Tampa, man, they play yeah. so well during the regular season and then they just can't produce in the playoffs. I feel like Dallas is one of those teams that just struggles to produce for whatever reason. I mean, 
like something I've always said about the playoffs, the playoffs is just a whole different season. Like forget what happened in, in the, uh, in the regular season, the playoffs is a whole different beast. Cause you, you, I mean, you've got the play, the president's trophy curse, you know, yes. whoever wins it is like, you know, never, never done that well, except I think Washington broke that. Yeah. Well, and the luck of the eight seed teams, right? Those and like the eight seed teams always there, but do really well at each conference. Like it's saying LA was like the eighth seed team in 2012 and they, they swept the president's trophy winning Canucks in round one. Right. And then went to the that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that was, that was bad. That was the, that was the, yeah, they tried out Corey Schneider as well in goal and we just got absolutely demolished by LA. Right. Yeah. And that was, I, that was not a good year for us. And I was thinking like, it doesn't matter where you fall in. It all matters how you play in the playoffs. It's kind of right. a clean slate. Then Columbus Tampa, clean slate. Columbus exactly. Tampa came in with the same leverage and Columbus swept them. It's, it's all yeah. good. Oh, he wants it more. That's pretty much. Yeah, it, it. yeah, it is. You're right. It, it's whoever wants it more. And like, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love Tyler Sagan. Um, I think he's a he's a great player, and he's electric, and he can light up a team, you know, easily. He's one of those players that can take over very quickly. Mm, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think they're getting. I mean, they've been in the league for a long time. Both Ben um, and Sagan have been in the league for a while. I mean, obviously Sagan won a cup in, in eleven with Boston, but Boston, since then yeah. they, he hasn't been able to do anything. Um, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the catch. Like, obviously, Dallas have a very, very – they have a good – a top line, Sagan, Ben Radulov. Right. That's a very, that's a very good that's top line. That's a strong line. top line. Like, and you got, obviously, Klingberg on defense. you got some solid defensemen back there as well. But, like – and ben I, I just think goal. they have a, a couple holes to fill. Like Yes, that's the a, thing. A bit of a – I think they need more role players. And I guess a, a bit of a rebuild is kind of necessary almost. I mean – Maybe, yeah. They brought in Zuccarello, uh, what, last year, who – you know, played, played pretty well, uh, yeah. you know, filling in for you know some role, role playing spot. Obviously, I guess they didn't want him or whatever. Yeah, well, obviously he, he was had expiring contract. Like Dallas brought him in purely right. as a rental player, kind of like the, the Tyler Toffoli Vancouver situation. Right. He brought Tyler Toffoli in as a rental player. They, we paid a price for him, and now he's probably going to walk a free agency. Chances are right. Like we paid a good pick, a second round pick, and a prospect for Tyler Toffoli. Right. And now to a rebuilding Kings team. So now we're going to see what Tyler Foley could do. He might walk and try and find a cup with a contending team in free agency. We'll see. That's the thing with Dallas, right? They've acquired Zuccarello knowing that he's probably not going to resign come right. July 1st. Right. And so they knew that he was going to walk. So he, he walked to Minnesota, which obviously isn't a better team, right? Well, right. It's interesting. <laughs> he went to Minnesota a divisional opponent. So we'll see like obviously what happened. Maybe he's Minnesota's a young hungry team and we'll see how they play in the play in round against the Canucks. But they once again a team that's been not finding their identity. They've been trying to rebuild. They've been trying to find some old guys and what doing Devin Dubnik didn't have a great season. Right. Alex they locked in a great season. So we'll right. see what they're gonna pull off in the play in round. Right. And who who's the backup in Dallas? Who do they have besides Bishop? If Bishop because the thing is if Bishop doesn't play well, who do they got behind him? Is it Hudobin? Is it Anton Hedobin? Oh, you're right. It might be. Yeah. And it's Anton Hedobin behind Ben Bishop. And he's yeah, pretty so big. Ben, I think he's a good kid. The like two him. solid goaltenders, right? And that's the catch, right? Like, and they're obviously like, and um, I don't know in the top of my, off the top of my head any goaltending prospects for the Dallas Stars. Do you know any? Mm. That's the thing, right? Honestly, like, no. Yeah, they have no depth. They should start looking at, at, at like San Jose deepening their prospect pool, seeing what they can do. Because otherwise, you, you're going to realize if these, if they're going to then retire or leave, then what? Repayments? Right. Then what? Radulov's going to retire. Well, like, what are they going to do? They need to find some good young, young prospects. Players that can 
I don't know, have some longevity at least. Yes, definitely. That's a fine, I right? think, and, well, and the stars have also had, I mean, Sagan and Ben have had issues with management too in the past, not, not agreeing oh, with yeah. Jim front Nick, office. Right? So it's like, I would not be surprised if in a, in a couple of years, they just, they leave, they go somewhere else and request to be traded. Well, Jay Ben wants a cut, like, right? Like I'm not going to say it's, it's going to happen, right? But let's say it's <laughs> John Tavares kind of situation. Ben comes home to Vancouver, right? He's a Victoria boy. It's right, Victoria, BC. So we'll see if he wants. If he comes home, if we have have the cap for him, but if he wants to win a cup, we'll see. Right, I don't know what he's gonna do. But let's say he wants to win a cup. Him and Sagan's already had a taste for it. But I'm assuming he wants another one. Let's yeah. say those two are separate ways. What happens to Dallas Stars team? They just crumble. Because yeah, no. like you think of Dallas, you think Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. That's like, what that's I think. From me, yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah. John Klingberg if you look into depth. Maybe Ben Bishop, but you think Sagan Ben. Right. Do yeah they, well yeah beyond that top line they don't have any depth and that's their issue they got holes to fill um yeah and they'll get there but i think they're just kind of riding it out for now you know they're doing well they're playing well yeah. you know maybe they look at it if they get a first round by this year maybe they'll look at changing things up but you well know, who they, knows maybe tyler sagan might absolutely blow up next season like pull up pull off as a manager like i have a few quiet years and absolutely take off next year right we'll see and then if that happens right like dallas could be looking more like more consistent like let's say like jane ben like, let's say what sagan ben pull off kind of like a panarin kane kind of situation like a dynamic duo on that top line let's see what happens right and Radulov, you're, like, you're a solid right winger the two wing and sentiment right mm-hmm. let's see what happens right pretty old now he's what 35 34 yeah, he's getting he's getting up there i mean he played the majority yeah. of his career in, in montreal yeah and nashville like, he went nashville and then he went KHL back to Montreal. Right, right. That's right. So we'll see. Hey, man, like, honestly, it's going to be interesting. But Dallas definitely have some big holes to fill, some question marks in the, in the depth. That's their problem. That's true. And a, a team that I do think has kind of filled their holes um, and done the right things is a team kind of similar to Vancouver, honestly. You look at Colorado, and they've the kids are running the show. Colorado. Along with, uh, along with uh, Nathan McKinnon. Absolutely. Nathan McKinnon has taken that team and put them on his back. He has been absolutely unreal. Like, he took what Matt Duchesne built and put more to it. Like, Matt Duchesne mm-hmm. was the top yeah. guy in Colorado. And then McKinnon came along and they didn't see any of Matt Duchesne anymore. So, that Matt Duchesne trade was a good trade for the Colorado Avalanche. They got Samuel Girard in that trade, who's now a good defenseman, like a solid top four defenseman for that group. Like, that was a good deal for the Colorado Avalanche. A, a good time. It was very good timing as well. Right. Because Matt Duchesne. Let's be real. He's been a great guy, but he hasn't been the same guy he was in Colorado with no, Ottawa no and way. Nashville. No way. And Columbus, sorry. He was in Columbus as well. Like, he hasn't been the same guy he was in Colorado. Like, he was top sentiment in Colorado, putting up good numbers for, like, this young Canadian kid. Right. And he can fill that role more so. Like, he even took it to a new shit. level. He was, the fr- he was the franchise player that Colorado was looking for, right? Mm. Joe Sakic looking for him, and he, they found him. And, like... Who they got like, like Landis Colgarando as well, and they got Miko Ranson. That's a Miko solid Rant. group. Yeah, their their top line is crazy, and they I mean they they were able to stack a couple picks up, acquire picks from trades, and uh, and do the right thing. And they, they, they it's good management. Comes down to good management, right? Like Joe yeah. Sakic, it comes down to good management. They man they same with Jim Bain. They manage the rebuilding team the correct way. Yeah. Cal McCarr coming into Colorado, they had a pretty steady score. They brought him in on a whim. He played a couple of games as a rookie, and he just absolutely played out of his mind. And insane. And solidified his like, top spot. Colorado, yeah. good defensive 
now they have a really, they have a really good defensive call. That's the thing, right? Obviously, they, they were thinking in the absence of Tyson Berry, what's that, what's that going to leave in the Toronto defensive group? But Kale McCart managed to fill that role well. Because obviously, yeah. Tyson Berry going to Toronto, right? Could Eric Johnson do it? Who else did they have on the defensive end? Samuel Girard, maybe. I, I don't know. Connor Timmons coming up as a prospect. Yeah. I don't know who else really they have. Yeah, I'm not sure besides, either. Yeah, besides those ones. But Kale McCart's an absolutely insane. Like, obviously, a good Calder rival for. Quinn Hughes, definitely someone who can take away that rookie of the year title for him. And obviously, Kubalik's been insane, but does Kubalik compete with Hughes and Makar? No, not. Mm, That's not. the thing. No way. Yeah. Like those two, it, it's going to be a defense been winning the cold of the season. Kind of like, when was the last defense in the winner? Was it Aaron Eckblad? Yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Eckblad, because it was Panarin, Matthews, Barzell, and uh, Pedersen. Yeah. It's, honestly, that shocked me. It didn't shock me now looking back at that, but Panarin taking over Connor McDavid because of McDavid's injuries, right? But Panarin won it in McDavid's year and Eichel's year. Right. He the two well, he put up 77 points. He was absolutely insane for Chicago. Which is... He played an amazing season. Well, and the help from Patrick Kane. Yeah. He did him wonders, you know? He can't put up... So you think, right? Well, Kane. you credit Panarin's success to Kane, but Panarin's done insane since he left Chicago as well. Like, he oh, my well God. And he's, he's really solidified himself. Played his best hockey that he's ever played in New York. Because That's it, the thing. almost as those as if playing with playing with Kane and Taze in those early years really helped them built him, yeah, develop. You know, he's playing with star players, he's getting good minutes, yeah, um, and, and that really makes a difference, right? He goes to Columbus, he plays very well, he practically carries them. You know, having Bobrovsky obviously helps, yeah, but then and he's also playing on like what a champ a, a team that was fresh off a championship. Right in 2015, Chicago. He's been playing on a hot Chicago team. Right. That's thing Buffalo Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel joined a Buffalo team that was struggling, mm-hmm. and he found a Kane Ryan O'Reilly a struggling Buffalo team, right. and it didn't make much of a difference. He played very well, but it didn't overall influence the team towards right. A playoff well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that goes to how well Jack Eichel plays or what, because you look at. I mean, you could say the same, I guess, about McDavid, right? Because they're almost terrible, yes. right? Edmonton was a garbage team before. Oh, dumpster fire, right? That's and then McDavid say. just absolutely just carries them. And then you yeah. had Drysdale, yeah. and you had Nugent Hopkins. Those, I mean, you didn't have them; they were there. But yeah, you know, they developed. So a little bit yeah, more. McDavid came in and that always made the playoffs win two seasons. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? That's the effect he had on the team. Right. Well, and those role players in Edmonton helped. Oh, definitely. At the time, it was Jordan Eberle, it was Nugent Hopkins, it was. Drysdale, even like younger Drysdale, you got Clef mm-hmm. Bowman, the fans, Sacra in the fans, Cam Talbot. Right. You got that young kind of squad. Like, I think you had like, Kanye left. You got, like, who was a David Dayana, even at one point was a solid right. bottom six kind of guy. But it was, right. um, like, they had a solid court at the time. And now they've kind of bounced through this rebuild. And coming in, I'm watching this game against Edmonton and the Canucks staff, they gave out like these calendars, right? And they had the rosters of both teams. And looking at Edmonton's team, I didn't recognize half the guys. They were from either from Sweden or from the AHL. And right. you're like, this is an AHL team. It has like David and um, Drysaddle. And then they absolutely took off. Like, Joaquin Nygaard, you got Colby Cave. Rest in peace, right, poor guy. Right. Colby Cave, you got all those young guys that were playing the AHL a season and have absolutely solidified themselves as NHL caliber players, players right now. And it's been pretty insane. Like, watching them, obviously, now in a play-in spot. Like, who would have thought Edmonton would be in a play-in spot looking at their roster coming into the season? I definitely didn't. I was one of the... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have pictured that. Non-believers I mean, for Edmonton, but yeah. Yeah, only only because they had 
uh, two ridiculously good players in McDavid and Dreisaitl. Right? And Dreisaitl just absolutely took off. Like he even like, he took the weight off McDavid's shoulder. That's what Eichel needs. Mm-hmm. Eichel, yeah, he needs someone like that. Dreisaitl took the weight off McDavid's shoulders of carrying the team. Right. Dreisaitl did his own carrying the season. And right. Eichel needs that. Eichel, Sam Reinhardt hasn't been that guy. Um, Jolens, kind of, he's a defenseman though. Casey Middlestead hasn't been that guy. They need someone in me who can pretty soon produce take that weight. Which is going to be yeah. a hard thing to find, too, because a lot of those players need time to develop. I mean, I don't know. I mean, sitting at, at the eighth spot in this year's draft, who the hell are they going to get? I mean, you never it's know. It's, how it's, it goes, it's a deep but. draft. It's a deep draft. They're lucky. Buffalo lucky. It's a very deep draft. They could find someone at eight who, is, is, who could easily been like a very, very talented forward. Like, let's say Lucas Raymond drops to eight. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very talented forward from Sweden, a goal scorer, right? He's a sniper. He's a, he's strong. He can get to there. He can score goals. Pretty ones, even not pretty ones. He's Swedish, right? But he's right. pretty good. A talented guy. And we'll see. We'll slap him. You slap him with um, who put with like maybe rookie season. Let's say I call who else in the left wing? Do you think if he's a right winger? You got I call maybe Sam Reinhardt. We'll see. Maybe that, yeah. that could be a solid line. That could be a solid line if Luka Vrain plays the way that he's meant to be playing and he's in Michael and finds someone who could take the weight off the shoulders and Buffalo essentially finds someone who can produce. But right. yeah, and back to Colorado, right? Like they handle it very well. Yeah. Well, and, and handling the rebuild is, is super important. Buffalo didn't do that the right way. And a lot yes. of other teams have found the way too. So yeah, no, it all, de- it all depends how you, how you handle it. You can draft as well as you want, you know, or as poor as you want, I guess. Uh, yes. But yeah. as long as they're managed correctly and given time to find their game, you know, it could be well, My big question for Colorado, I've been thinking about is, is Philip Grubauer, a guy who can carry a team to a championship because he's I, that guy right now. I personally don't think so, to be honest yeah. with you. He's good, don't get me wrong, but yeah, like you, you hear Philip Grubauer's name, it's not a name that I'm like, oh wow, I'm oh, Philip Grubauer, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, they got Grubauer right now. I'm afraid to go against <laughs> Grubauer. I'd be afraid to go against Kel McCarr, not gonna lie. Yes, but yeah. I would not be afraid to go against Philip Grubauer. So, like, That's he's one catch. of those, those players that. I mean, what he played behind Varlamov for like the longest time, right? Now he's the guy. Now it's Pavel Franku. I think I know about that. He's he's behind Phil Grubauer at the, the tandem right now. That's a good goaltending group, but they need someone. He's like wow. They need a Carter Hart equivalent in Philadelphia, and like someone. Right. He's like wow. He's a, yeah. He's good. Right. They need someone in Colorado that can take them to a championship, like Jordan Bennington, St. Louis, right? A divisional opponent who yeah. handled it very well. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's got to be someone who's young and fresh. You know, looking at Igor, looking at a bunch of other guys that come in, Carter Hart, Bennington. It's just like they've taken their time to develop. They come in the league, they get hot quick, and then, they, and then they they have longevity. They play well. They've got good, you know, good coaches that just help them out. I feel like guys that have just kind of ridden backseat the whole time don't yeah. really take teams to just cup wins. I mean, that's a catch. But besides that, Colorado is a solid, solid team. They're they have a, a very team. good team. Like, there's nothing really bad to say about Colorado besides the questioning goal. That's not even a bad thing. It, it's just a question right. mark, right? It's not a solidification. Right. It's not someone that can that, – let's say, as I'm saying, McKinnon goes down in game three of the finals and you have Grubauer in that. Do you feel comfortable as Colorado's head coach going into that game that you will produce a win without McKinnon? And without, I mean, they have say, a lot of forward depth. So, like, yeah. Grubauer plays well. He's got he's got good defensemen in front of him. If you have good defensemen, right. you're always going to put yourself in a position to win, no matter who's in that in a way. Yeah, you know. So Kale McCarr meant to be out of his mind, right? Kale's meant to be one of them, obviously the best defensemen in Colorado for the next while. Yeah, easily. Like him and Hughes, are gonna, I feel like it's going to have like I'm going to say comparable to um, uh, what you call it, uh, Crosby Ovechkin, that kind of draft rivalry. Right. Going forward, right? Like you have like the 
Hughes, McCarr, Robert. I feel like the, the Canucks and Abs could be in the playoffs. Let's say Canucks beat Minnesota in the play, and they will meet Colorado in the real, real first right. round of the playoffs. So let's say like it could be a Hughes, McCarr matchup, and we'll see, right? Like those two could easily go at it, and it's two similar but different styles of defending. McCarr's a goal scorer, right? Hughes is a playmaker. Hughes uses his edge work, and he gets pucks in there, and he makes plays. Right. McCarr rips it. Like he's a goal scorer, right? Like right. that's the thing, right? And it's two different styles of play, but two different styles that different teams needed. Like the Canucks needed someone like Quinn Hughes, they got him. Same with Colorado, they needed someone like Cam McCarr, and they got him. And they're happy about it. Right. What do you think about Vegas? I, I, I don't Vegas. know. I've got mixed feelings about Vegas, but what are, your, what are your thoughts? My thoughts on Vegas, they had obviously the dream run in 2018, the inaugural season run, coming from like being this team of the misfits, right? Like team, right. a team full of players no one wanted. Jonathan right. Marshall, William Carlson, uh, even like Riley Smith, Alex Tuck. Oscar Lindbergh. Literally, and Mark andre Fleur, obviously, he was the, the face of the franchise, but they got him and like that was the recipe to make a good team. Like they had all the same drive, the same emotion. They all wanted to win so fucking badly. They right. wanted to win and they almost did. They didn't need starts on talent, but I think that's what separated them from a championship is they didn't have it. They couldn't compete with Ovechkin. They couldn't right. compete with Backstrom. They couldn't compete with John Carlson. And look at that crew they had out in Washington. That's an all-star team, right? Yeah, it's really good. Because of Brana. Like, that's just a very, very good squad. Burkowski at that yeah. time, too. Oh, I dude, forgot literally. to mention in Colorado. That's, uh... Oh, Burkowski now, yeah. Like, Colorado have a solid depth team as well, but even Vegas, like, that's the thing, right? Vegas are looking at their prospect pool and they have Cody Glass, they have Zach Whitecloud, they have some Peyton Krebs, they have some good prospects. But mm-hmm. what's going to happen, right, is I don't see Peyton Krebs like necessarily right now being that wow player, right? Like he's going to be a good player, but like maybe like top six, second line, maybe first line, but nothing right. like Panera, nothing like any of those really good left wingers that came in and were like, wow. And just took over like that. Yeah. That's what, they're gonna That's what Vegas want, right? Because obviously they have. They're going to be in cap hell pretty soon. Well, they have Max Patcher ready. They have these guys that are getting paid big money. Mark yeah. Andre Fleury, Shea Theodore is very good. Alex Tuck is due for a payday himself. Yeah, and that's William Carlson getting on like what, a seven million dollar deal now. Like he yeah, was being paid like he was being paid like one point five in Columbus, and then he went to and Vegas. He's got and a fat big pay grade up. New years, yeah. Like that's good for him, right? Like he deserves it. That's the cap, right? But Vegas, what are they doing going forward, right? Obviously, Game Seven elimination round one against San Jose. They felt they could have made a run, maybe. They didn't. What's the plan now? Obviously, skipping play in round, going straight to the first round of the playoffs. Who, who do they face coming out of that one? Like, like who did, did Vegas face? Oh, well, it's, Vegas, I mean, they face any of the other teams because they're in, in the top four in the West. Yeah, so but they, who they play round robin? Because Colorado faces the winner of the Canucks in the wild. So who does Vegas face? Like, oh, what, I see. What, what playing series does have to be determined for Vegas to find out who they play against? Um, is it Edmonton Chicago? after each round. So right. you don't really know. It's, yeah, right. Like, honestly, Vegas have a chance, but like they have to find themselves and they have to realize that they aren't the same team once again they were in 20, 2018. They have, to, they have to find a new identity. They have to assume a new identity and embrace it and try and make a championship team out of that. But from your like point of view, what do you think Vegas is going to do in the next coming years? Like, what do you think the results of the team are going to be? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, obviously they've got a lot of good players. They've got a lot of they've got a fair amount of depth. Honestly, they're a very um, deep team. They have they have like Alex Tuck, Pacioretty, Riley Smith, William yep. Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, 
Cody Glass is now playing in the NHL. Who else do you got in sentiment, right? You got defense got Shea Theodore, who's very good. Yep. Braden McNabb, you got like Fleury as well. Backup mm-hmm. goaltending. That's a question about Vegas right now. Who do they have? Who's uh, it's not Malcolm Subban, is it? No, he went to Chicago. He's in Chicago now, I think. Who is uh who's the backup in Oh sorry, the Robin Leonard, right? They've they've got a stack goaltending duo now. They got Robin Leonard deadline. Vegas did? I think so. I think I think I think it's Robin Leonard in Vegas. Maybe I'm wrong, but Oh, he is in Vegas. You're right. He's Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. Yeah, yeah, wow. They have a stacked goaltending tandem now. Vegas. Yeah. But that's not going to last, right? Because obviously the two very high-paid goaltenders, right? No one can right. really Right. Well, that. and they're they're aging a little bit. Robin Leonard's on his way out, to be fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, right? Like, Leonard, obviously, I, I honestly don't understand why New York didn't hold on to him. He put up a Vesna, borderline Vesna trophy season. Yeah, he did. And then they released him. Well, that's because they wanted to go all in on Panarin. They were going to give him like twelve million or something like that, twelve and a half. And they didn't get him right. That was the coach. No, no, they didn't. Panarin chose wisely, right? But it's yeah. um, like they went all in. They paid the price. They could have had a solid guy in <laughs> Robin Leonard. Now they don't have to set, settle for Semyon Varlamov, right? I mean, he's good, but he's not great. Right. That's right. the coach. Well, and right? I think all they need is someone steady back there. And Varlamov, yeah. I to me, he's proven that he can be that guy. Um, and he's, I mean, he did that in, in Colorado for a yeah. time, it seems. Yeah. So, I don't know. I Like, I see a lot of good things from Vegas. So, I, like, they're not well, necessarily... Well, positives. I'm sorry for negatives. Maybe, I'm thinking maybe negative will be Cap in the, in the next few Cap, uh, yeah. Well, I think Cap will be their biggest thing. Yeah. Um, like the Canucks. What will they, how will the Cap play into how they're going to build this team? How are they going to keep building this team? Because they have a good team right now, but what's going to happen when some players want to leave? Some players want to come in? Trades. Well, yeah, trades trade. are going to be their big thing. And if they can't, um, well, because the thing is, they played so well out the gate that it's not even like they have shots at picks. You know, they got they yeah. have to trade for picks and make make as as best trades you can. Don't buy out anyone. That's going to just kill you and hurt your cap. That's just not a smart move. Well, one decision I don't really agree with the, the front office made was firing head coach Gerard Gohan. They hired they, they fired their head coach who took them to the finals. And who did they pick up in in exchange? I'm gonna think it. I'm gonna think it's the San Jose ex coach. I'm not gonna be. I'm not oh, too sure Pete DeBoer, right? I think so. Google it. Yeah, I think that was who they picked up in, in his place. I, I don't really agree with that. I feel like they could have held on to him for a little while. He obviously showed like he could handle the group. Yeah, he was only there for two years. They they had. And, I mean, they go to the cup yeah. final and then they lose in the first round. Why are you gonna get rid of your coach? Give Dude, him a legit bit. and like. Travis Green hasn't made the playoffs since joining the Canucks in what, 2017? Yeah, but he's been absolutely insane. Right. Like he's been handling – he was a coach from Utica. He wasn't even an initial head coach coming into it. They hired him from the AHL. But he's right. been – because he can handle the group of young guys. And he right. took the group of young guys and gave them the motivation to become the team we are right now. Well, And that's the key with a lot of these young teams. I mean, the Rangers got David Quinn from BU. Yes, you know? great so call. He's used to coaching young kids. He's going to continue to coach young kids. And the thing about Vegas is that they don't have a lot of – Young guys, it's all veterans. It's so, veteran presence, right? It's Cody Glass. Bring that's in a veteran like Pete DeBoer, who took that San Jose team to uh, Cup final in twenty sixteen. Cup final in twenty sixteen. He and and that team wasn't young either. They had a lot of veterans too. So it was a Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Pavelski, Kachur kind of team. It was right. not a young team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So he, that guy's used to coaching vets. So I mean, honestly, I, I like I wouldn't I wouldn't have done what they would have done. I would have kept going on for at least a couple more years. Let's say. Yeah. You know, give them a few more years. If they continue to get first round exits, then yeah. you know maybe you think about changing things up. But it's also, yeah. you know, in your team too. Well, that's what Dallas did, right? They changed their entire coaching stuff, right? When they started losing in the first round, they they right. made some big changes, and obviously they um 
it's been good, but they haven't made much progress. Any second round game seven was the feathers they got since then. Right. Because I, it was unlucky. You look, watching that, uh, all due respect to St. Louis fans, watching that Robert Thomas goal, I think it was. I'm sorry, sorry, Robert Thomas to Patrick Maroon. That Patrick Maroon game seven, double overtime winning goal. Mm-hmm. That was, it was a bounce. It was off the top of Ben Bishop, down yep. by his back, and then he whacked it in from the Robert yep. Thomas goal. Yeah, it nothing was, you can do. Something that really stings for Dallas fans. Like watching that, obviously, like they want, they want it back. They right. could have done that easily. Maybe it was one bounce separating them from the conference finals. Maybe that could have changed it. Maybe they could have gone to a cup. They could have gone on to compete with Boston in the final. They could have it, or lost to who was West. Could have lost San Jose. San Jose could have gone to play Boston. Right. Who knows? Could have a completely different playoff story if that goal didn't go in. Right. It's going to be interesting, man, to see how these kids adapt and play. It's going to feel different, obviously. It's not your normal playoff atmosphere. That's just you know the nature of the season this year. Um, but I really yeah. hope that, I mean, I know they, they've, they've tested, you know, for COVID and uh, what they have, like some players, yeah, yeah. 15 or 24 or something like that players. Austin at, Matthews included in that bunch, eh? Right. Um, yeah. Out of like the 250 coaching staff and players that are tested. So I guess it's kind of a toss up as to whether or not the playoff, I guess, is going to happen. I really hope that it does because I'm very excited. I've been waiting for hockey for a long time, man. And so, uh, yeah. I just want to see it played out because – I feel like a lot of people want want you to just cancel the season, just write it off. And that those might be for teams that, you know, are out of the playoff and they just don't really care. Like Buffalo, San Jose. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if you've got exciting squads like New York, like Vancouver, like Colorado, you want to see your team play in the playoffs no matter where it is, who's in the arena, if it's empty or not, you know. But I'm excited for it either way. I just hope it – you know, it gets going quick, man. I'm, I'm, I'm impatient, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. It's been a long time without hockey. I, like, like Will said, man, I don't know what, what I would do without it, what I have been doing. It's been rough, you know? Yeah. Hockey is like my life. It's crazy. Even though, I, I, you know, I'm in a similar situation. I've never played. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's just a... Passion for it's insane. Even though we, we never actually played a real game, it's the passion is still there, right? Right. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing. You talk to hockey guys, and they just they love it. They love everything about it. And I think yeah. you can still have that even without playing in an actual game. Although I yeah. really would have loved to do that. You know, yeah. my parents never let me play due to, like, health concerns, uh, you know, growing up. So yeah. it was never a thing that I was really allowed to do. But, man, I would have had so much fun doing it. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Puck Drop. On next week's episode, we're going to be covering the latest news around the league, along with the preview of the Eastern Conference top seats. Now, Sam, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, you were great. You know a lot. Well, thank you so much, dude. Honestly, my pleasure. I was waiting for a while. You told me about this podcast. I was really excited. Like, it's going to be a great opportunity. Like, I obviously want to rant about hockey a lot, and I can't really do it with my family because my family's Australian and nothing about hockey. So, obviously, coming on the show and talking to you about this, like, for solid two hours has been absolutely amazing, dude. Thank I know. I, I feel the same way. I feel like there's very few people I can talk about with hockey like this. So, I mean, I had a fun time. This is great, man. Absolutely. Thanks, man.